Morning Freedom Center. I, I greet you, uh, and I, I just also want to say too to our our ever increasing live stream audience. Um, you guys get out your phones and go on Facebook and hit like or share, whatever that you guys know what it is. I don't have Facebook, but uh, I'm a Christian. But those of you who have that 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 have this. And do that because the, what's happening inside this room is beginning now to produce fruit outside this room. And just um, people are getting saved. We had seven people give their hearts to Christ via the Internet the other day. They actually did the little emoji. If you want to raise your hand and receive Christ today, press the button. And seven little hands went up of various shades, from Mickey Mouse white to Popeye yellow to uh, Brutus Brown. They're all, all there, the different people. Um, another thing that happened, a friend of mine sent me a text, David Spear, a missionary to Cuba, and now the, the, uh, the director of the entire Caribbean region, who has just been a great brother to this house. And he sent me a text. His daughter was watching the live stream, and his granddaughter, Mia, saw me on the screen and asked if I was Papa. And she said, no, that's one of Papa's friends. He said, well, he has bald hair, just like Papa. So it's not all good news, but most of it is most of it is good news. By the way, Dave, if you're watching, I have ten times the hair you ever had, man. Just saying. So, let's get in the word this morning. Uh, if you will, open your Bible to Leviticus chapter 23. I believe it says Leviticus chapter 20. There it is, 23, verses 33 through 34. They're going to get a little bit later in this. We're going to be teaching on one of the Jewish feasts, one of the fall feasts, the 15th day of the seventh month. Uh, on the seventh year, we have this thing called the Feast of Tabernacles. We're going to dissect it a little bit. And you may say, what does the Feast of Tabernacles have to do with Fenton, Michigan, Genesee, Livingston, Oakland County? You'd be shocked that everything God has ever done has something to do with everything God's ever doing. And uh, you'll see this today. So it says this, the Lord said to Moses, Mo, say to the Israelites, on the 15th day of the seventh month, of the Lord's festival uh, of tabernacles begins. And it lasts for seven days. On the first day, this is what you're supposed to do, take branches from luxuriant trees, from palms and willows and other leafy trees, no evergreens allowed, and rejoice before the Lord your God for seven days. Celebrate this as a festival to the Lord for seven days each year, so every year. And this is to be a lasting ordinance for the generations to come, celebrated in the seventh month. Now, it goes on. And says, uh, live in temporary shelters. This is verse 40 now. Live in temporary shelters. You're going to build these little, they call them sukkot booths. They're, they're memorials of the days when they wandered in the wilderness. And they had to, whenever God moved, they had to move with them. So they didn't build stone foundations. Because as soon as you got settled, God moved. And either you moved with them or you, you died, uh, just like today. So uh, all native-born Israelites are to live in such shelters so your descendants will know that I had the Israelites live in temporary shelters when I brought them out of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. How many guys know, whenever you see I am the Lord your God in the law, it's usually after um, he just said something that wouldn't make sense or was inconvenient. It, it's kind of like you say, clean your room or make your bed. Well, why? I'm just going to, you know, get in it again tonight and it's going to be messy again tonight. Well, because I'm your father, that's why. That's what that is. I want you to make a tent, and I want you to live in it for seven days every year, the seventh month, 15th day, seven-day festival, and your market's set go. And they go, well, why? Because I'm your daddy. That's why. Don't ask questions. Just do what I tell you to do. So why do this? And, and there's a long backstory I don't have time to get into, but I think most people, because of cartoons, Cecil B. DeMille's, um, you know, more recent Moses films, you're aware that there was a 400-year season where Israel was totally enslaved to the Egyptian pharaohs 
And so for 10 generations, not a single Israelite bring, breathes a free breath. It's all the breath they breathe is to labor for someone else. There's no profit. There's no liberty. They can be murdered, and it's not a crime. They can be beaten, and it's no big deal. They can be sold. Families can be separated. It is, in every sense of the word, slavery, and it's miserable. And finally, after 400 years, there's a generation that cries out, God, help us. And God said, I've been waiting for that sound for 400 years. Like, you're so tired, you'll do anything now to get free. How many of you guys know sometimes God's just waiting for us to be so tired of being in bondage? There's a different cry. When a kid goes, <laughs> that means I just woke up and I want my baba, right? There's another cry, and I won't try to imitate it because it's, it's a horrible sound and I'm being amplified, but how many parents know when your kid really needs something or when they're just, like, you're just praying, God, make them go back to sleep now? May the spirit of Benadryl come upon my child, and may they go back to sleep right now. But then there's that, <laughs> and you just let them go, but there's that other one that's like, wow! And it will wake you and get you out of bed before you know you're awake. You'll cross the hallway. You'll go down the stairs, wherever this kid is, and you will get there. And finally, this generation makes this sound of now like, (laughs) it's so hard. It's like, God, please. And God says, I've heard the groans. And so in a single day after plagues and all those different things, in a single day, they are released from bondage. Egypt no longer has a, a right or the hold on them, the back has been broken by a variety of curses and signs and wonders and miracles that God has sent. Um, and for 40 years, they walk around the wilderness. And this is, this is why they walk around the wilderness. Um, they, they, they have this slave mentality. How many of you know if we didn't have music for 400 years and finally somebody said, hey, here's a guitar, there would be a learning curve. If we hadn't worshipped in 400 years and somebody said, hey, here's, here's instruments to play, like I, we dug these out, the archaeological dig, we found these, no one would know what to do with them. And so they, they've not been free for a very long time and they have to learn how to be free and, and God is going to help them. And so he says, listen, there's going to be a day when you're no longer in the wilderness following me and doing all this stuff, but when you get there, you're going to be building houses and assuming land that has houses with foundations, wells you didn't dig, fields you didn't plant, and the, the whole dynamic is going to change. But to get you there where you'll be free and not just give it up to sin like your ancestors did 400 years ago that caused you going to bondage, I, I want to teach you how to be free. And so he says, when you get there, every year I want you to remember what it was like. Every year, come back to it. Every year, build a sukkah booth. Build a little shack. It's got to be like something that, that has openings so you can watch the stars move so you can remember I'm a God who moves. Now, they were free, and slavery, as defined, means um, no freedom at all. You don't own anything. Your time, your will, your emotion means nothing. But understand this. Um, freedom does not mean no slavery. Are you guys getting this? So slavery means no freedom, but freedom doesn't mean no slavery. God has set them free from the power of Egypt. They're gone. They're on the side of the, the, the Dead Sea, uh, the Red Sea, rather, and, and they are, they've been drowned. Their might, their back has been broken. Their firstborn are all dead. Um, it really is the beginning of the end of the Egyptian empire. But in this situation now, they have this, like they're free, but they don't know how to do it. How many guys know that you have certain freedoms as Americans? But, but you don't know what they are sometimes, so we don't exercise them. So being legally free is different from living in freedom. They are legally under no bind to anybody. No more chains, no more beatings, no more. But they don't know how to live as free people, so God has this process. And how does he do it? It's pretty simple. He does it through relationship. Everybody say the R word. He doesn't say here's a bunch of rules. I mean, he does, and there's rules, but the rules always come back to him. How many of you guys know that every rule... In Christianity, every rule, in, in every doctrine of every scripture, all the new covenant has nothing to do with the behavior. It has to do with the relationship. 
Don't do this because it'll hinder our relationship. Do this because if you don't, it'll hinder our relationship. There's, there's relationship. God is always trying to breathe fresh air into people that are suffocating on this planet. And it is up to us to find that place where God is and where he's breathing. So the Feast of Tabernacles is this ongoing, continuing reminder of how their ancestors followed them. So how, how do they do this? Here we go. He spoke to them so they would learn his voice and know his heart. True or false? So he speaks to them. Moses, I'm going to talk to you, you talk to them. Aaron, I'm going to talk to you, you, you talk to them. And they would go into the tent of meeting, God would speak, they come out of the tent of meeting, they say, this is what God said, do this, go here and move there. And what was happening is God was saying, here's my voice, you can hear my voice, whether it's through one of my prophets, whether it's through you know, Moses as a leader, whether it's going to be through subsequent kings, I am not a silent God. I speak. And when I speak, the next thing happens. He gave them choices to make and blessed and cursed those choices so they would learn to obey. When I speak, I don't say one, two, 47, 93. Don't make me get to 100, mister, because you know it'll happen. He's saying, listen, on, on six days, you are to work. On the seventh day, you're to rest. And on the sixth day, I will send enough food to feed you for two days so you don't have to worry about working on the seventh day. And what do they do? They hear his voice. And on the seventh day, people go out and start looking for extra food. And God goes, come on, I told you. Now, guys, listen, I have to give you a spanking. <laughs> I have to teach all of your brethren, all of your cisterns, That when I say something, it's only for your good. And to ignore my word is to ignore the good that I have for you, and it cannot be tolerated. So let's do this again next week. Six days, there's twice as much food available on the sixth day. You gather it. You got it in the seventh day. Nobody goes, okay, good, you got it. So they're, they're learning through Scooby Snacks to sit when it's time to sit and stand when it's time to stand and walk when it's time to walk. So they, he spoke and they heard his voice. He gave them choices to make because as slaves, they have, a, they, they have no will of their own. It doesn't matter. But as free people, their will is everything. Will I obey or will I not obey? He provided for them so they would learn to trust him with all of their needs. So it wasn't just food that he provided on a daily basis and twice as much on Friday to get them through the Sabbath on Saturday. It wasn't just, you know, water. It was meat. It was protection from their enemies. Anytime they were in trouble, God would wait. Like, will they call on me or will they just turn to their own strength, which ain't much? And when they got to the Red Sea, and here comes Pharaoh's armies, they go to Moses, oh, you guys out here, we're all going to die. You're a terrible tactician. Patton would have done a much better job. Why did you leave us here? Because there are not enough graves in Egypt. And God goes, okay, you, you failed the test. The test was so that you'd call on me, not so that you'd whine to each other. Can I remind you that he still tests us in the same way, and the answer to the test is still the same. The test doesn't come, so we'll whine to each other. So we'll... I'm having such a bad day. The test comes that we'll learn to follow the one who provides for all of our needs and fight our battles and love us through the stuff, right? So he provided for them so they would learn. This is relational. But lastly, the one we're going to focus on is he moved his presence regularly so they learned to follow him wherever he went. What I mean by that is, is this. There was a cloud that for 40 years covered during the daytime the entire nation of Israel. How many of you guys are in a desert? Clouds are good. Deserts are terrible. Um, there just isn't much. I mean, that's why, you know, it's deserted. It's the desert. Um, there's nothing there. And so a cloud and that heat and that, that brutal elevation changes and all that they're going through as they wander in that wilderness, it's everything. At night, God created the nightlight by providing a pillar, a supernatural pillar of fire. So there's this thing that just lit the camp at night with his glory, I presume. But, but again, it's just I'm here. How many of you guys know if you're thinking about like robbing 
um, the Israelites, but you saw a big pillar of fire at night, you might think twice about going into the camp to try to steal something. There's a cloud that covers them by day. There's a pillar by night. But this is what God did regularly. As soon as they kind of got settled in a place and, hey, I know where the water is, and that's my favorite tree. And I, you know, I actually built a little thing, and then all of a sudden the, the glory of God would just lift up, and the cloud would move. How many of you guys know that it doesn't take long to figure out in a desert you need a cloud? And so they, they just followed the cloud. They, they, God's moving. Everybody get your stuff. Get your guitar. Get the keyboard. We can't leave without the projectors. We have to have the lights and the fog machine. Everybody, we're moving now. Pick it up. Let's go. And, and, wherever, and God might move for an hour. God might move for a week. God might move for a month. But every day when the sun came up, that cloud would move. Just, let's keep moving. And then it would settle. God would say to Moses, we're going to stop here for a while. So okay, everybody, pitch your tents. And they'd build like sucket booths, these, these same sort of branched things. So when, when this happened... The Feast of Tabernacles was every year we're going to be in this place. And, and, but remember, even though we're not moving, hear me, this is the point. We're not going to move anymore. But God is going to continue to move. Did you get that or no? The point of the Feast of Tabernacles is we serve a God who moves. Things are going to change what was blessed yesterday will not be blessed tomorrow because God doesn't bless systems. God blesses relationship. God blesses obedience. God moves. So certain things where God was a 1,000 years ago, God hasn't been in in 995 years. And we have to understand that the God we serve changes things. He moves. And this is the point I'm trying to make is the God of Leviticus we just read about is our God and he still does all of these things by the Holy Spirit as he liberates us by we're transformed by the renewing of our mind from our past slavery. We serve a God who moves. We serve a God who changes. But here's the problem. Are you still here? The problem is we have a tendency to wherever we found God to believe he lives there. Now, we, the economy was hard. We had to move away from Fenton and pastor, you know, we haven't found a new church in seven years. It's like, I, I get what you're saying. We are perfect. <laughs> but can't you find some lesser organization filled with lesser people? <laughs> what they're saying is, I, I want something like what I experienced when I found God. And how many of you guys know there's nothing wrong with that, but there's something really dangerous about that. There are people that fall out of fellowship, people that fall away from what God is doing just because what he's doing is different from what he was doing when they found, listen, I got saved at a Christian rock concert. I should be wearing, by all accounts, spandex pants. Don't imagine it. Just trust me. I'm, I'm, a, a wife beater t-shirt, a Mr. T starter kit, and I should have a lot more hair. Because that's where I met Jesus was at a rock concert. So only, only rock, I, all I knew was that God moved at a rock concert, so God must move at all rock concerts. Is that true or false? Way false. And if you played that music today and those people on the stage today, listen, I don't know how the Rolling Stones do it. They were all embalmed like eight years ago. They've been dead for years, and they continue to tour. I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand. But, but that, that's everybody living, reliving their past. The church can't relive our past because we serve a God who moves into the future. God owns the future. And what happens so often is we find ourselves wanting to go back musically, culturally, spiritually. You know, when I was a kid, we used to knock on doors. I, I know. But if you knock on my door, you're kind of obnoxious. I mean, I was your age, man. I was preaching hellfire and brimstone. That's, that's great. And maybe God was moving through hellfire and brimstone to cause a generation to repent. I, the only thing I can do is what I believe God wants me to do. And I can't do my imitation of what God used to do to make people happy who want God to be 1943 God or 1843 God or 1743 God. Are you understand what I'm saying? 
we, I believe that this is why every church movement eventually, though it was birthed in persecution, though it was just blazing and fire and glory and miracles and science, eventually it, it caps itself off and it plateaus. The bell curve of business, the bell curve of culture, the bell curve of politics equally applies to the bell curve of church. I don't know if you knew that or not. I mean, you know what a bell curve is. It's, it's early adapters, it grows, and then it gains popularity, and it's commonly known, and then it kind of gets bureaucratic, and then it's a lot of empty buildings, whatever it was. Listen, every empty church building is a testimony of a God who moved enough to the place that that building was built by a congregation who saw a destiny. But now that it's empty, it means God continued to move, and they failed to follow where he was going. And so today... And I say, what does this kind of have to do with us? Well, take a look at some things. The, the church, if you will, and I'm using the church there. We're going to use the phrase ecclesia. Uh, so we're not talking about modern-day church. We're talking about God's people um, through the years. It started with the Jews. The Jews were, how many guys can take five minutes of church history? Can you do it? You guys are quiet today. Is this really good, or are you just thinking about beating everybody to mega? It's really good. Thank you. Ah, it's so good to have my mom here today. Thank you for yelling at that. Actually, my mom was watching my live stream. Hi, Mom. If I know my mom, she's waving back. Hi, Jimmy. If I know my dad's like, what'd he say? Anyway, that's, that's you know, sorry, Dad. <laughs> but the Jews were God's people. There's a covenant. There's a relationship. But then when Jesus comes, the Jews, some of them convert to Christianity. Let me ask you a question. Now they're following the Messiah prophesied by the Jewish prophets. Now Christ has come. God's doing something new, yes? Something new is happening, yes? And God's doing it, yes? Let me ask you this question. Who most opposed what God was doing? What God had just done. What God had just done always seems to most ardently oppose what God is now doing. Let's take a look and see if that's true. The Jewish Christians became the church of the Gentiles. There's a persecution that takes place around uh, Acts 8 9. Some people are scattered. They go to Antioch. Um, Peter goes to the house of Cornelius, and now not just Jews are being saved, but Gentiles are being saved, filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, all the signs and wonders that accompanied the Jews on Pentecost are accompanying the Gentiles in, in these various places. Now, let me ask you a question. Was there anybody upset about the Gentiles coming to know God? Yes. Who were they? The Jewish Christians. Are you, are you following where I'm going with this? We get into a season of persecution. Not many people really know what goes on here. You really got into the minutia of church history. But I got to assume that there's still some of that coming from the Jews, coming from the Jewish Christians, and coming from Gentiles. We move on to the Roman age of the church, about the 3rd century, 212 AD. Constantine says Christianity is now legal. Some would even say it's the state religion of Rome. The Roman Catholic Church is now born in the 3rd century, as we would know it today in a lot of its ways. And let me ask you, who's most upset about the Romanization of the church? It's those who were persecuted living in the catacombs now saying everybody's a Christian. They're like, no, not everybody's a Christian. This isn't, this isn't true. Move on from there. The Dark Ages, there's a remnant that, that makes it through the Dark Ages living by faith, um, by the grace of God. And again, who are they most persecuted by? They're most persecuted by the Roman church. Move on from there. The Reformation. This is the modern-day Lutheran church. 500 years ago, Martin Luther, not I have a dream, but I have a mug of beer. Martin Luther, 500 years ago. Tax the Reformation. These are the things that the, was the, the thesis. This is my argument. I believe that it is, it is by grace that men are saved through faith, not by works. The church can't save people. Only God can save people. I think, I think we've gotten it completely wrong, and I want to see return back to that. Let me ask you, who was most upset about the Reformation? Right? 
The Great Awakening happens. This would be a couple hundred years ago. The First Great Awakening, Second Great Awakening, the fire revivals of Finney and, and Moody, the Baptists, the Methodists, the Presbyterian denominations that we would know today. Now we're saying some names we know, the Lutherans, Baptists, Methodists, <coughs> Presbyterians. These things were built with great fire. People rode on horseback. Sinners in the hands of an angry God was preached, and men sat white-knuckled waiting for the invitation to receive Christ. They were afraid that the floor would open and hell would swallow them as the preacher preached. Conviction fell on cities such as New York when Billy Sunday got up in what became Yankee Stadium and said, there is a God and his son's name is Jesus Christ. And without a megaphone, like 70, 80,000 people get saved in a week. Factories closed down, bars closed down, prostitution ends. People are getting saved by the tens and even hundreds of thousands. A great revival takes place. And guess who was most upset about it? If it ain't Lutheran, it ain't Jack, Right? And then the Pentecostal revival happened, the turn of the 20th century, 1901, Topeka, Kansas, 1903 to 1908, the Azusa Street Revival, the formation of Pentecostal fellowships like the Church of God, the Pentecostal Holiness Church, the Assemblies of God, Foursquare, take place during that time. And guess who was upset about the Pentecostal, the return of the gifts of the Holy Spirit coming back to the church? Guess who was most upset about it? You guys still here? You know, and they were like, we won't, we won't do this. We're not going that way. You have to leave our congregation to believe that. And they, they did. And other things were formed. After that came the charismatic renewal, the Jesus movement, the, uh, you know, the, the, oh, I'm not going to start mentioning names, but just people that we would know now that were part of the charismatic renewal. And you'll never guess who was most upset about the charismatic renewal. The Pentecostals. Are you still here? Then we've got this relevance, mega church type stuff that goes on where churches are 10,000 people now, not uncommon. Steve Furtick, uh, Craig Groeschel. I'm sorry, Craig Biceps Groeschel. <laughs> My wife, I walked in one day, she was listening to Steve Furtick. I'm like, huh, that's, that man's kind of pretty. I walked in the other day, she's, she's, she's listening to uh, uh, Craig Groeschel. I'm like, that dude looks like a wrestler. Walked in the next day, she's listening to Andy Stanley. I thought, finally, some guy I can take. You know what I mean? Like, I thank you. Thank you for... Watching Andy Stanley, I felt better about it. She's like, are you not like what? I said, no, listen to him. Just don't look at him when you do, you know? But the point of a whole church history thing was this, guys. Every movement is most persecuted by the last one. Hillsong is a good example. Don't listen to their music. Why? Because they have a triangle pointing down on the album cover, and that's evidence of that part of the Illuminati. I'm like, if you sleep with tinfoil on your head, the aliens can't read your mind, and you got to be kidding me. I mean, there's, there's major church movements that are being totally, well, I don't like the way Andy Stanley, he's too, he doesn't, and, I, and that, that guy in, in Joel Osteen in Houston, he's way too happy to be a believer. What, what are we saying? You're, you're not the kind of guy who led me to Jesus, and that's not the kind of church that I want to go to because that's not where I met God, so it must be wrong. Can I tell you something? Something's wrong. But I, I've actually seen God move through a lot of stuff that died a long time ago, and I've seen God move through stuff I don't agree with. But who am I to tell God where to move? There, when I got saved at a Christian rock concert, you've got to believe there were, there, were, there were Baptists and Presbyterians and Methodists and Pentecostals that believed with all their heart that God would not show up to a contemporary Christian music concert because contemporary means worldly. And God being a holy God would never show up at something worldly. I'm like, oh, Jesus wouldn't show up to something worldly. He showed up to the world. And they're not even thinking. All they're saying is, I didn't get saved that way. If you're not wearing a tie, if you're not wearing a dress, 
If you have makeup, if you have earrings, if you weren't singing, bringing in the sheaves, or just as I am in a stadium, as Billy Graham himself preached the gospel, you're probably not saved. And there was a cover of a magazine that, that literally said this. It was a popular charismatic magazine that said no one can be saved at a, at a contemporary Christian concert. I looked at that and said, well, that's a shame that that's a lie because I like this guy. And I had to begin to understand that sometimes people's traditions, where they met Jesus, how God moved in their life, becomes a mandate somehow for how he has to move in everybody else's. But I am here to tell you we serve a God who moves. He changes things. I, I don't know, but I mean, I, I get it. I listen to kids, they pull up next to me at the light, and it's like, <laughs> and then they pull out and there's like a fish on their car. I'm like, was that Christian? <laughs> Because if it is, I don't like it. <laughs> or someone else is like, I mean, hey, I was in your car, and there's a, uh, what, we, what you had playing in your electronic device there. I'm like, you know, if you tied two cats' tails together, and you hung them over a clothesline, like, it's like, does someone swallow bagpipes? What is happening? They said, no, no, that's Christian. I'm like, no. <laughs> Listen, if there's music in hell, it sounds like that. <laughs> this is what we do to torture, like, Islamic people we're trying to get information out of during war. I'm not kidding. It is. It really is. Well, that's Christian. It's like, no, it can't be. Because I got saved when Petra was cool. So I was like, what's, what's Petra? Don't worry about it. I said, look it up on YouTube, but it's not there. <laughs> it's, it's somewhere between hymns and Darlene Check, there was Petra. That's all I'm saying. And, and I, think, I think I'm hoping I'm making my point to you, just, just saying this. If God saves somebody through a musical style I don't enjoy, how many of you know they're, they're no less saved? But that's not the way he saved me. He saved me in a different dynamic. Therefore, and, and the problem is this. We have to remember every once in a while to just to stop and get out of the things we've built out of stone and remember that the God we serve moves. And why does he move? He moves because I think he's always trying to stand in front of a generation that needs a Savior. In front of. In front of a generation that needs a Savior. They're trying to get it around him, and God just does this. I'm going to go this way. I'm going to go this way too. And I believe that the, it's the, the pioneers, especially in the body of Christ, you can tell because they, they have arrows in their chest and bullets in their back because they catch it from the, the cowboys and the Indians. You know what I'm saying? Because we're not overly accommodating to things that, that we don't believe God can move in because he hasn't moved in our life in those things. So God must not be in him. It's, it's too rock and roll. It's too mother, 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 mother. You know what I mean? Or whatever. You know, pull your pants up, cut your hair, get ready, cover your tattoos, and sing Bringing in the Sheaves. It's like, I get it. The older I get, the more I get it. Bob, you laughed way too loud at that, but you know what I'm talking about, right? Um, we can't be the generation that refuses to move because if we are, what happens is a, a room full of life becomes a room full of people, becomes a half room full of old people that are mad about the changes, or even young people that are mad about the changes. We, we have to say, as Israel did all those years ago, and as God continues to move, where are you today, and how do I find you? So the why in all of this never changes. The what 
we're trying to accomplish. It's, it's biblical bedrock. God is speaking to people. But I want you to notice that the how evolves as God moves for the sake of his people, his people, and those whom he's reaching out to. So here's the question that we should ask today corporately, and this is what we're going to be talking about for three weeks from now, and, and I, this, is an, uh, this is to prepare you. I'm excited because things are about to change at the Freedom Center in ways that we have never done. We're approaching some things um, two and a half decades into them that we are going to stop doing because I feel like God is moving us to do other things. And I wish, and I'm not kidding you, I wish it would be okay to just keep doing what we're doing and add things to this, but I clearly hear like the Holy Spirit saying to me to do it one more time is now disobedience. I've been preparing your heart. I've been tilling the ground. I've been planting new seeds. There's been in, there's been out, there's been up, there's been down. And if you do that one more time, kid, then you're the one that's going to miss that cloud when it moves. And so it's, it's, it's a weird combination of I'm so excited because I hear God speaking to my heart. And gee, I hope you do too or I'm going to miss you. Because I think God's going to ask us to do some stuff at different levels than we're accustomed to or comfortable with. It's going to cause a brand new level of dependency in a day-to-day way, not just in an outreach way or a big event or a Sunday way. God's going to be changing some things. You guys ready for that? Remember you said that before you said it next week, you know. So where's God leading? What's next? Uh, What are we going to have to leave behind to be in the right position on the wave so that doesn't break and kill us or doesn't doesn't leave us behind and we got to wait for another one to come? Next week, I'm going to tell you all about the changes we're going to make at the Freedom Center. Um, I'm excited about it. I hope you join me in that excitement, but I understand I've had five years of preparation. You've had five minutes to even begin to think about it. But we'll do our best to answer questions. Where are we going? What are we doing? How are things changing? What are the developments? Just, just so you know, to my knowledge, we're not talking about I'm not leaving, the staff's not leaving. It's nothing like that. It's, it's not like, hey, good news. I, you know, here's your new pastor. You know, it's, it's, that might be good news for you, but it would be hard on me. I'm not ready for that. God hasn't released me. There's a good spiritual way to say I'm not quitting. Don't, don't give me that look, right? So I'll explain. We'll understand things. But just back from that to this one more time, two questions. Are you individually where God is. And you're like, I don't know. I heard he's really moving to the church down the street. I, I wish it were that simple. It's not at all what I'm asking. Are you where God is? It's not a, if it was like, yeah, God's at this church. Well, then let's close the doors to this one and go be where God is. And when it's our turn to be where God is, they should close their doors and come here. But it's, it's, it's never that simple. I'm not asking, are you in the right church? Are you where the happening things are happening do you like where you are? Is it convenient? Does it meet your family's needs? That, that's, a, that's almost a different category of question from what I'm asking you individually right now. Are you following God as he moves? I'm not saying, are you reading more, praying more, giving more, attending more? I'm saying, do you, like if you were where God is, you know you're where God is. Because at one point, if you know the Lord and you're here, like you, you knew where he was because he found you. And there was, that, there was that face-to-face. It was that burning bush. That was that turning away from idolatry to a speaking God who wanted a relationship with you, who loved you, and you knew it and you felt it. But that has slowly kind of dwindled. And, and now it's more like the motions I go through at the church that I like, with the music that I enjoy, with the lighting, with the pastor that's funny, with the, then the friend, hear me. There's always going to be more for you than, than where God was yesterday. There is where God is today. And how do I know that? I, 
It's such a strange question, and here's a worse answer. If you were blind and now you can see, then you understand that now you can see. <laughs> if you were deaf and now you can hear, you understand that you can hear. You understand, too, that if your sight begins to dim until you go back to a state of almost blindness or almost deafness again, you know that, too. I'm not saying we need to have a revival and somebody's to come here and get you all cranked up and fill the altars and slap you on the forehead and knock you over. Although we should do that sometimes because that's fun. We, we can set up like a Holy Ghost car wash and people come down and I'm going to slap them out, you know what I mean, and drag their bodies off to the side. You know, and you're like, what kind of church have I come to? I, hopefully one where that, that's right where God is. But this church will only be where God is if the people of the church are right where God is. So that's my challenge to you. Like, ask question number number two is, is this, is, are, are you ready to move to where he is. Are you ready to get up early or stay up late? Are you ready to be obedient in different ways? Are you ready not to go through the same motions and have the traditions? Are you ready to change your opinion about Ooh. mother, 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 Ooh. and the people listen to it? Listen, don't call your enemy what God calls your harvest. There's an evolution coming to our congregation. The details will be unleashed on you next week. I've already talked to life group leaders. I've already talked to significant, you know, places and people and men's ministry, believe it or not, yesterday you didn't know it, but we were kind of priming the pump for you at the breakfast to know what's happening next. I'm going to tell you what it is, but God's moving us. And sometimes when God moves, people pick up their tents and they go, and sometimes people stay behind and they die. And I'm warning you. I'm preparing you. I'm plowing you. I'm watering you. I'm planting the seed in you. We're getting ready to move. And I believe that the greatest days that God has for this church are not behind us. So let's not imitate what worked yesterday. Let's, let's just follow Jesus where he's leading today. Amen. Stand to your feet all over this room. Are you ready to move where he is? You, not the church. We'll talk about that next week. Are you? Are you where God is? And if the answer is kind of or no or I, well, I sort of, depends on how much coffee I had this morning, then come back to this. What would you have to do? What would you have to leave? What would you have to start? What would you have to finish to be right where God wants you to be? There's a, there's a rabbinical, or the, there's a saying of the rabbis, the Jewish teachers, that the honor of the Talmudin, those who would follow someday hoping to be a rabbi, hoping to be a, a spiritual leader in a community, the honor of the Talmudin is to be covered in the dust of his rabbi. And guys, I, that's true today. Jesus, the great rabbi, the great Jewish teacher, the Messiah, the Son of the living God, is a God who continues to walk, continues to move, continues to speak relevant words to every generation. As they move around him, he moves in front of them and continues to speak. Just like you would. If you were trying to stop somebody from jumping off a cliff into a burning fire, you would stop. And they moved around. You wouldn't say, well, this is where I am. If you don't like it, then you turn or burn. You would move to where they are, and you take a step and say, Stop. Stop. I believe that I'm going to heaven because someone was obedient and countercultural, put on spandex pants, permed his hair with his sister's curlers, for all I know, wrote music that sounded like rock and roll but was filled with the rock who don't. And he stood in front of me, Jesus, in this band and said, you would never have gone to church, Jim, because I thought churches were full of hypocrites, and it wasn't true. There's always room for one more. And he just, Jesus put on spandex pants that night. Because if he hadn't, I'd never met the one that was wearing a tie Sunday morning. Father, I pray, let this church be a house that moves where you move. May we be dusty 
may we look like living sugar donuts, God, cinnamon donuts covered in the dust of our great rabbi as you walk the dirty streets of this earth. I pray, God, for those that are here today, they're like, you know what, I'm, I'm not where God is. I think I used to be, but I, if I were to be completely honest, the thermometer would say the temperatures drop significantly. Father, I pray that you would set them on a path even now to move to where you are. And it may take a day, and it may take a week, and it may take a month, or it may take a moment. But God, I pray whatever it takes, I pray for every man, every woman, every young person, every child, everybody on live stream, everybody will hear this on the radio, everybody that, you know, hear it on the internet, God, everybody, may we, may we stop what we're doing right now and answer the question, am I where God is? And if the answer is no, may we just pack our bags, may we uproot our tents, may we tear down our circuit booth, may we, may we find ourselves journeying to find the cloud that covers us, the pillar we find ourselves moving towards the God who will continue to move. And if we find you, and I believe we will, those who seek you with all their heart find you. God, I pray when we find you, may we never dig foundations in this earth again. May we be ready to move and to move and to move because we serve a God who moves. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Right now, you're just honest. Jim, I'll be honest with you, I'm not, I'm not, I think, where God is right now. I just, and I needed this today. I want to pray for you before you release today. We're going to open the altar right now to altar workers. Nobody else, just the word. Those who will be praying this morning, you're, you please come up and stand in your place. Um, and today, heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Altar workers, do the same thing if you would, please. But I, I'm not, I, I just know it. I, there's a distance that's grown between my heart and his. I know that. And today, by a show of hands, I am saying I am on pursuit. I'm not going to make it a Sunday thing. It's a today thing. It's a now thing. I'd be good if that's you. Raise your hand right now over this room. I know it, I know it, I know it. I know it, I know it, I know it. Father, I pray for everybody here right now that is not where you are. May they enjoy the journey. May they enjoy the journey home. Because you're home, you're heaven, you're peace, you're love, you're God. And I just pray, God. May we walk every day until we find ourselves where we just could not get any closer. John moved his posture until his head was upon your chest and he heard the heartbeat of Jesus. God, if, if man's ear can hear the heartbeat of Jesus, then our spirits can hear the heartbeat of Jesus. And I pray, let us move so close that we can hear what your heart is saying. Saying souls, souls, souls. God, I pray, may that heartbeat be heard by our ears and may it move us. Thank you for the amazing things you've done. I glory in, in yesterday, but I walk with prophetic promises about tomorrow, and my eyes are upon Jesus who's moving. He's the author. He's the perfecter of our faith. Help us now to follow in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. Here's the deal. If we haven't met, I'd love to meet you. Back room. Get your kids, because I want to meet your kids too, so I can really find out what kind of parents you are by asking them questions. It's going to be fun. No, I'm just kidding. Um, if you need prayer, I trust these people. They, they mean a lot to me. You can trust them too. And if you need prayer, this is the direction to come this morning. If you want to just sit for a while and just begin that journey right here and now, that's awesome. But if not, God bless you. You're dismissed. Next week, big announcements. Hope to see you again. Live long and prosper.